Welcome to episode 42, or technically episode 41, part 2 of the Metal Chat Podcast. My name is Melissa, and I'm coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, So what's been going on since last we met up? Well, the holidays. Hope you had a good one. And then I got COVID for Christmas. So I spent Christmas week, which is the second busiest week for me at work, at home, which sucked. Sucked for me, and it sucked for my staff. And I spent Christmas Day at home by myself because I didn't want to go out. Technically, it was my last day. I kind of could have, but I thought I'd wait another day because I had to go back to work on Monday. Back to work on Monday, seven days, 60 hours because, you know, I had been to work in a week. And I have basically just been working nonstop ever since because all kinds of stuff has been going on at my job, which is a dumpster fire on a good day. And I still have a little bit of a residual cough. So I have a lozenge in my mouth that you might be able to hear. So I was trying to wait to do this until my cough was completely gone, but I just want to get this out. I have a couple of uh, other episodes in the can that I have to get out, so I'm behind schedule per usual. This is part two of the social media challenge that I did with Quinn from And Volume For All podcast and George from the Judas Priest cast. There is a part three to this because, as I said before, it was a three and a half hour tour. And that is sort of the update. I hope that you will enjoy this as much as we enjoyed bantering back and forth, answering these questions. But before we get started, as always, I thank you for your continued support. It is much appreciated. And with that, we are on to episode 42, otherwise known as episode 41, part two, the social media challenge with Quinn and George. You're listening to Metal Chat with Melissa on Podbean.
question number four. This is a band I love. So we're done talking about who we hate and who's <laughs> overrated. Let's talk about a band we love. And who's going to get us added on Twitter? Okay, well, no, no. There's just no doubt about the, this one you guys are going to see coming. Black Sabbath, my favorite what? band. I'm shocked. I know, I know. Really? Uh, Black Sabbath, also also the answer to number five, never tire of listening to them. Um, I actually have a thing that I'm going to do. So I'm doing a little talky talk about Black Sabbath, and then the next album is me going through the first eight, the original lineup. And, you know, I was realizing, like, thinking about, like, what, why it is that they stand out so much for me. And a lot of... I was thinking about the big scope, art history, you know, like you you look at, at people in the history of art and the ones that really stand out and they have that clear before and after moment. You know, there was there's before Da Vinci and there's after Da Vinci. And I'm not saying that they're Da Vinci, but there's, you know, before um, uh, Shakespeare and after Shakespeare and stuff like that. There's before Sabbath and there's after Sabbath. And it's such a clear demarcation. It's so distinct after that first album. But the other thing is that I've come back to them at least three or four times later on in life, and I keep finding more levels. And I've had that same experience. I know it's silly, but I'm a Shakespeare nerd and a theater nerd, and I keep having that experience with, with Shakespeare as well, that people think that he's famous and his words are great and we use them because they're flowery and beautiful, and actually it's because the poetry is very deep. It has a depth that the more you dig into it, the more you go, holy crap. He's not saying this. He's saying, you know, something really painful and human and and deep down. And I that's I keep finding more and more layers with Sabbath that I keep underestimating the level, I think, is specifically of Geezer Butler as a lyricist and uh, and also uh, Tony Iommi as an innovator uh, in terms musically and, and Geezer as well. So that, that that's my band. I love them. Never tire of listening to them. I agree. Uh, yeah, I love them as well. And um, and you're right about Geezer. Doesn't get enough attention. I don't think no. people realize, you know, how, how, what he has contributed to the band. It's funny when you get some of those bands where you go, you know, how is it possible that George Harrison, John Lennon, and Paul McCartney all ended up in the same band? Like, you could have spread that talent out to some other bands, you know? <laughs> you could You could have made Foreigner better, but instead... You put them all in one. <laughs> yeah, yeah I see. I, I, like the, I like the way you left out Ringo. I, you know what? I have the, I have a deep appreciation for Ringo. Ringo's just the one who gets shit on. You know, Ringo's. Oh, like, I have a soft spot for him too. I do too. And uh, did you guys watch the documentary? Um, the recent, the one that just came out, the Peter Jackson. Uh, bu- 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 what oh no, I, I didn't. I haven't seen that. Boy, you know what? I, brand new appreciation for Ringo. Ringo is – John and Paul are looking at him and going, no, do this. Like, on the fly, he's changing it. He's with them. He's the, like, absolute rock. Like, probably the reason why that band stayed together as long as they did. Fucking Ringo, man. He is awesome. And he's, The unsung hero. And he's That's got right. a killer swing in, in the sound, man. All right, George. Okay. Time to talk about the band I love. And I'm going to be shocked to find this one out. I really love a band called Haunt. Oh, I thought you were going to go Judas Priest. I really was expecting ABBA. Yeah, he uh, (laughs) threw a curveball there. Oh, no, it's not a curveball to anyone who knows me because people know that I'm a Haunt fanboy. And every year and every month that goes by, I'm finding out that I'm more and more inclined to support bands and especially if they're smaller bands 
where I know and I like the people who are in the bands. And if I've had positive interactions with them at social media or maybe they're an opening band at a show and I strike up a good conversation, I'm buying your CD just like right away based on me liking you. And there's very few people in like traditional metal and underground metal right now who are more likable than Trevor Church. He's such a nice guy. I always enjoy talking to him. And I have, you know, basically I've developed a better relationship with the music just by knowing the guy who makes it and knowing that, A, he's a good guy, and, B, he's writing about, like, these deep things in his life, stories of things that have happened to him. To me, that makes it a more enjoyable experience, sort of being able to know the guy and how that ties into his music. He also has a ton of really cool merch. So I have like more than one t-shirt, t-shirts and basically any color you can think of, right? Y'all know I'm a big fanboy for Haunt. And so, you know, he gets a shout out. Awesome. Do you want to talk about the band that you listen to the most? Cause, or you never tire of? Cause. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you got already, me there. Quinn already said his. Well, you got me there with the Judas Priest, and I mean, I have to, I have to not get tired of them because I do the podcast that's all about them. The strange thing is, I feel like I don't often listen to their albums Hmm. in my spare time when I'm not like researching a particular song for a particular episode. I'm probably listening to a different band. I get my priest fix just deep diving on the songs that we cover in individual episodes. But it's like, you know uh, what? I, I don't get tired of doing that. Like, it's very rare for me to hear any sort of priest song and say, oh, I'm sick of that song. Yeah. Like, unless it's breaking the law, I guess. It sounds like uh, Judas Priest is your job, but you love your work. You're right about that. I mean, that's accounting is my job, and I love my work. (laughs) And and Judas Priest is my hobby, and I love my hobby. But I I was thinking about it too with with Sabbath, where I'm like, you know, in a way, those songs that you don't like on albums that you love become like they become part of the experience. They're like, oh God, am I gonna skip FX this time through Volume Four? Or am I just going to listen? I'm just going to listen to it. I'm just, you know, especially if it's on vinyl. But or does it become the challenge where you're like, I'm going to love who are you this time through Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. I'm going to love it this time. And, you know, like one day you're going to hear the good in it and (laughs) and then you'll start to agree with me on how it's the most underrated Sabbath track and has a creepy-as-fuck vibe. And when you're at the correct level of elevation, you can start to appreciate that. <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm I'm with, I'm always willing to be sold on stuff that I should love. Um, always, even with, even... I, I think I'm in the minority, the but I, I know a lot of people who don't really care for Who Are You, but you know what? Like I said, there's a really creepy vibe to it. And I think they nailed exactly that if that's what they were going for. I love the uh, bridge. I think the bridge is fucking amazing. I love that. And then it goes yeah. back to the song and I'm like, yeah. You know what? It's not rock and roll doctor, so I'm good with it. That's true. That one I'm not going to defend. That's... No, come on. Come on. Make me love rock and roll doctor. Well, you got to <laughs> make me love it first. <laughs> Sabbath should have made us all love it. Yeah. Uh, tech, uh, tech Ecstasy is not. You can make me love that album, then yeah. that would be. 
an amazing thing. There's special providence in the fall of a sparrow, Melissa, even, even bad albums. All Sabbath albums are my children, and some just disappoint me more than others. That's true. <laughs> yeah, well, there are those uh, children by your estranged ex-wife that you don't want to talk about because they're sung by Ian Gillen or Glenn Hughes or Tony Martin. Yeah, that's true. Well then, yeah. Melissa, who do you love? All right, so I actually have th- I have three. So not surprisingly, Iron Maiden. Everybody knows I love Iron Maiden. Whoa. Um, and I, and they're also my sort of my life's work, I guess, my hobby, my project. But I also love Black Sabbath and listen to quite a bit of Black Sabbath. And I'm also a very big Rush fan. Oh, I love Rush. Oh, sick. A band that I can listen to and never tire of, I'm going to choose Rush. And I'm going to choose Rush because if I am listening, and and I'm like and I'm like you, Quinn, I will sit down and, like, listen to an album, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I have music on all the time in mm-hmm. the background or whatever, but I like to sit down and listen to music. And every time I listen to a Rush album, I always hear something new, something, oh, I didn't catch that. You know, or or reminds me of, oh, I remember five years ago when I heard, you know, caught that. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems that there's always there's so much going on that there always seems to be a lot to to listen to and to entertain me. Yeah. And to keep me entertained. Well, I think and Neil is just an I mean, he was an absolute he's a genius, singular talent. You can listen to like you can listen to an album. And I've done this where you just are only focusing on him and you almost uh-huh. like, it's almost like you isolate him, right? You just listen to him. And then there's other times where I've done the same thing and just listen to Getty. Just, you know, like, yeah. sort of, so that's what I'm saying is that you can listen to different, to different parts and asses and underrated guitarists. And I've done that as well where I've, I've listened to an album and I've concentrated on his solos. So I feel like every time, Every time I listen to Rush, I can get something different and something new out of it. Yeah, and their music has really so much in it that I'm sure you're still hearing new stuff on, like, the 25th or the 40th listen. Yeah, that's it. They're a very deep band. That's it, exactly, and that's that's why um, I never tire of listening to them. Absolutely. The other day, my brother pointed me toward um, Fountain of Lambness. Uh, that song uh, on the B side of um, oh my god one of the early ones no I can't remember it's green I can see the cover it's green but I just listening to that and going it's one of those bands that I'm like I'm gonna need to take a month and just go through it all because I there's so much that I love about Rush but there are also these these gaps for me you know where I go I uh, there's I'm sure there's stuff on B sides that are that would yeah. blow my mind you know I, I kind of listen through it all you know. Martin Popoff talks a lot about uh, retirement bands, right? Bands that you, you know, when you retire, that you're going to spend quality yeah. time really getting it's to great. know, you know. That's great. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, you can definitely do that with Rush. I feel like you can definitely do that with Rush. And 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 the, you know, they have such a large discography anyway. So it's you know, it's not like one and a half albums like Guns N' Roses. <laughs> it's Caress of Steel. That's what it is. Oh, I, have, I, I love had to look it up. Steel. Yeah. Look it up. Caress of Steel. I, all I could think of was reinventing the steel, and that's Pantera doing Judas Priest, and that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> all right. What's the next one? Um, I think it's the band that got... Got you into music. Yeah. And you can you can cut this as well. I should it's, I should probably um, start to make my way home, so if I can wrap up yeah. um, relatively soon. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if you want to cut short or, or what. No, what you, can, you, can, uh, you can... You want to go through your... You go through your whole list. Are you sure? Yeah. 
but I want to hear your guys's. Oh, um, we'll do it fast. We'll do it fast. All right, here's here's mine. Uh, getting me into music, I think it's tough because I just have I've always loved music, and so getting me into different aspects of music, definitely Black Sabbath, The Beatles. I know it's a metal podcast, but Radiohead very much. <sighs> The one about changing my life, I'm going to answer this, and it's going to pain me to answer this because I'm embarrassed, and I'm also – I'm embarrassed, and I also feel achy about the thing now, but it was such a huge part of my life at the time and continued to be so. Marilyn Manson. Oh. I loved Antichrist Superstar, Mechanical Animals, and Holy Wood. Those three albums are absolutely wonderful. I If – that he is the absolute antithesis of that thing that he was presenting. The whole point of Marilyn Manson was I'm a reflection of this ugly world. And it, it was brilliant when it was commentary. And then I found out it's not commentary. And it just like I had, I had really from like 96 to 98, you know, I was 16, 18, that I, I thought he was an absolutely brilliant social commentator and using heavy metal music to do it was so cool and turns out he's just another predator and that is was absolutely heartbreaking to 16 year old quinn i'll tell you that much but his second uh that 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 second album in that trilogy mechanical animals was a, a bowie homage and that's what got me into david bowie and then the third was sort of a a John Lennon-y um, Beatles homage, and it got that's what got me into the Beatles. So Marilyn Manson is sort of what got me into David Bowie and uh, and the Beatles. And now I can't listen to any of it. <laughs> you can listen to all of the stuff that he got you into. So that's that's better. right. That's right. Absolutely. What that's tough. what a heartbreak. That's a heartbreak. Anyway. So those are my six and seven. All right. Um, a band that surprised me, Elder. I had a great experience in St. <clears throat> Vitus. I met Nick DeSalvo, uh, who's the lead singer and guitarist. And I'm not a musician. I don't know anything about music, but I watched him. But watching him play that close is unreal. It's unreal. And as a band, they were amazing. The, the bassist's amp went out in the middle of a song and without even – missing a second he's playing and he looks at nick and nick's like looks at the drummer and they start riffing and they're just playing they're playing they're they're going and doing their own thing the drummer or the bassist goes over plugs in a different thing nope it's the amp that's not working undoes the stack puts another amp up plugs it in maybe the whole thing takes like a minute he plugs it in he looks over at nick and they go right back into the song and i know it i knew it because it was from dead root stirring and they were on like the lore album uh, just flawless talent mus- musical yeah. talent i couldn't wow. something i couldn't do if i had a million years to live like just amazing they played that cool wow oh it was so cool and we went nuts and that night in jersey the they were doing the 13 tour and I was like I don't know something just tells me I don't want to see Sabbath unless I'm seeing Bill and so I didn't go and I went to Elder instead and I'm so happy that I did because you know good choice Sabbath didn't get ruined for me by having a different drummer <laughs> shout um, out to St Vitus that is an awesome place I remember when it first opened the year I turned 21 and I decided. This would be a cool place to go for my 21st birthday. <laughs> I've seen some great shows there. I love St. Vitus. 
I, lo- I love that place. So cool. And I didn't even, I don't think at the time I even knew St. Vitus the band. Like, I didn't even think I even knew who that, who that was. So I didn't realize. And I was like, this is cool. This is really doomy. I wonder why. I remember um, everyone making a huge deal out of when St. Vitus the band actually played at St. Vitus the yeah, Bar. Pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. So they surprised me. Um, my guilty pleasure, and I'm, it's not so much a guilty pleasure because I love the band, but I wince every time I mention it. Not as much as Marilyn Manson, um, but I wince every time I mention System of a Down because it does fit into sort of into new metal. But I really, really love System of a Down, and I always have, and I think they're terrific, and I think it's unfortunate that the Deftones and System of a Down get lumped in with new metal because new metal sucks and system of a down their their weirdness and their hip-hop their sort of verbal dexterity stuff comes from armenian folk music it doesn't come from american hip-hop so it has sort of an authenticity to it that i actually i really dig but i can also understand that people see it as new metal and don't like it uh i never saw a live we said oh yeah no go ahead i have something to add to that so, like we said, there are highlights even in genres that we don't particularly care for. Yep. And I think that if you keep an open mind, maybe you will find one or two bands in that genre who actually kicks an ass. Maybe for new metal, Deftones and System of a Down are that band and Rage Against the Machine, too, you know. Yeah. Like, even in a genre you don't care for, like, if you look, you will find that there's some talent in there. Absolutely. I agree. I, I, you know, I was very like, eh, I don't, I'm not really a death metal. I'm not really a black metal fan. I got some stuff recommended to me this year that made, I love Venom Prison. I loved that. Weston on Twitter recommended me to that. That's a good one. Like, that is a killer album. You know what? I got into Psy this year. Uh, the black metal, Japanese black metal. I'm like, this is amazing. And I, I, I really listened, I listened to, um, A Blaze in the Northern Sky, Dark Throne, cause I was just like curious. I was like, I'll figure out what this is. And I listened to it and I don't, the vocals aren't my thing, but the musically, the, what they're doing is really cool. And the story of the yes. album is really cool. And so there's an, I'm, I have a growing appreciation for genres that I otherwise would have kind of dismissed out of hand because of ex- that exact thing, George. It's good. It's good to stay open to it, you know. Never saw Black Sabbath live. Yeah, that. Never saw them live at all, ever. Ever saw? I saw Ozzy twice. I never saw Black Sabbath. Wow, wow. Yeah, when they toured, I think I just probably was not in a. I just, I, I don't think I was in a Black Sabbath phase at the time. You know, I didn't sort of crystallize into my final form yet. My favorite live band is Mastodon. They're fantastic. Brent Hines is just yeah. Brent Hines is just a scary, crazy person, but a genius, absolute genius. Ron Taylor on the drums is the octopus man. It's like it's unreal that he can sing like that and drum and does all the concept and writes so many of the lyrics. He's just he's incredible. I agree with that. Awesome. Those are good. Those are good choices. All right, George, you're up. Very cool. So Quinn, thanks for doing all yours in a row. I don't know. What time do you have to drop? Um, I should probably. I uh, I've, I've got a, I got a little bit of time. I should probably go in the next five minutes or so. Five All ten right. minutes. Well, I guess if you want to hear our picks, you might have to listen back. I do. Well, I do want to hear you. I know. I feel so bad. No, that's all right. We're glad that you joined us. Well, we waited, got started a little bit later because we were waiting for uh, to completely ghosted us. <laughs> We did have fun, though. We did. Absolutely. We did have fun. This has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you for inviting me. Sorry. Go ahead, George. I want to hear yours. So, band that got me into music. 
And I guess now we're switching it up and we're doing them all at once. But the band that got me into music, I could think of a few. Now, anyone who knows the story about how I got into music, my father found a whole cardboard box full of his old CDs that he listened to growing up when he was cleaning out his closet or something. And he just walked into my room and said, hey, look what I found. I want to give these to you now. And he just basically plops the cardboard box on my floor. And I'm like, oh, what the hell is this old man music? I don't want to listen to this garbage. (laughs) But you know what? I was curious. And I started just pulling them out and looking at them and listening to them at random. I don't know. Maybe I saw a name of a band or cover art that looked interesting. So I would just pop it in my CD player and say, well, let's see what this is all about. He had a good collection. He had Judas Priest mm-hmm. and a lot of classics. Oh, one of the albums that resonated with me right away, Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses. I listened to that an uncountable amount of times. Probably the album that stuck with me immediately, and it just I didn't get sick of it. I was listening to it over and over. So I'm going to give the honor to Guns N' Roses for for getting me into music maybe the most at the beginning. Like, that was Appetite for Destruction, maybe the first album I really fell in love with. That was, I mean, and that was a ubiquitous album. It was everywhere. Yeah. It's right. You know, one of those that, like, you listen to it and you go, oh, I know this from the radio. Oh, I know this from the radio. Oh, I know this from, you know. And for hard rock, heavy metal, that's it's pretty rare. Yeah. And listen, it's not a coincidence that a 14-year-old hearing that album for the first time in 04 is probably having the exact same experience that a 14-year-old had in 1986 yeah. when that album was brand new for their generation. It's just right. they made a hard rock album so good that it became timeless. And... and- and I was alive then and listening to music and like, it was different. It was different. It was not glam. It was like, it wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't butt rock. It was something else. It really had a kind of cool LA feel to it, but it was dirty. And Very, it was like, it's sleazy, sleazy, just filthy shit. And it was just like, there's something awesome about this and dangerous it was great it was it was really it was really unique really unique absolutely when you read the stories about the band from that time and you hear the sort of stuff they got into you know living on four dollars a day and all they would eat is uh biscuits and two bottles of cheap wine (laughs) and they would be you know basically as a band all taking turns having sex with the same woman and getting into (laughs) The shenanigans that, you know, when people have the stereotype sex, drugs, rock and roll, the stories about GNR, they took it to the pretty much extreme. Well, it's so cool that, like, an album that great comes out of that kind of hunger. You know, like that kind of, like, we've got no food, we're we're drinking Night Train, we're, you know, we're just, we're just, yeah. we you can buy, it. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like we said, a lot of people's best work came from the lack of sobriety. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think the desperation, too, to like. Yeah, lack of hope and the lack of. You know, Sabbath certainly was that way. Birmingham's was an industrial fucking wasteland. Judas Priest, same thing. Judas Priest, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. At the same time. (laughs) Yeah. 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 
so let's talk next about a band that changed my life. And this one's not metal. I'll go punk. I'll throw just a tiny little bit of a curve on that curveball. I'm going to say against me. The reason I'm going with against me is because they have an openly transgender vocalist who came out of the closet midway through their career. Sure, so, I didn't know that. Yep, the lead singer and guitarist living as a man for the first half of their life and mm-hmm. now you know, coming out of the closet and saying, I am really a woman and Against Me released an album all about this lead singer, Laura Jane Grace's struggles and challenges through life and her personal story. The album was called Transgender Dysphoria Blues. I think it was 2014 that it dropped. Wow. At the time, at the time, I knew nothing at all about transgender people. I had gay friends. I had never met a transgender person. Right. And that was sort of the album that educated me. It got me to sort of understand the struggle of these marginalized people and the feelings that they have being born in the wrong body. Wrong body. And if I had never heard that album, like, who knows how long it would have taken me to sort of start to learn about those sort of issues. So I have against me to thank for that. That's why they are a band that in some ways changed my life, maybe not my entire life, but definitely shaped my belief system many years ago and made me a lot more sympathetic to the LGBT community. Wow, that's like... Well, I'm not going to top that story. That's absolutely fantastic. I yeah. was just going to ask you, when did that come out? 2014. That's that's really cool. That is yeah. really cool. And, like, what a cool way to, like, be introduced to, like, a larger issue, you know, through somebody's personal experience artistically. That's really neat. Yeah. It's a great album. Probably one of the punk rock albums that I think was one of the most important of the last 10 years or so. Well, Blink-182 got back together, so hold your, oh, you know, hold yeah. your list. Uh, yeah, listen, listen, Quinn, I've already heard the new song they put out, and the uh, less said about that, the better. Uh, hey, you guys, I have I have to go. That's we an understand. awesome story to end on. Thank you, George. Thank you, Melissa, for having me. This is so right. awesome. Hey, man, it's great to hang out with you for a while. Yeah, let's do. And, um, you know, I'm going to be doing a lot more interview stuff on and volume for all the, the first sort of foray into it is, uh, is coming up Tuesday. You guys have to come on and, uh, you know, talk about George more about your love of ABBA. Okay. All right, guys. We'd love to. Bye. Love your pod, Quinn. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye. Love you guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. All right. And here we are. And now there's All right. All right. So So where are we? How do how do we want to proceed? Do you want me to keep going with the list, or should yeah, we start yeah, trading I mean, off again? Yeah, we can trade off. Um, where were we? So, uh, well, yep, band that got me into music and band that changed my life. I went over oh, yeah. those. If you want to go yeah. and catch yours up, so um, a band that got me into music. Um, Quinn probably wouldn't be too happy to hear about this, but I would probably go with. Well, I would go with <laughs> bands. Uh, I'm going to go with Kiss. Well, it could be Kiss. So here's the thing is, like most people of my age, um, Kiss was kind of our gateway to heavier music or to explore rock music to get out of the sort of the the pop music of, you know, the 70s AM radio pop music. 
I was already into stuff because my my sister's husband wasn't much older than me, and he was big into Jethro Tull and Led Zeppelin and in Black Sabbath and and uh, Deep Purple and Yes and and all of that kind of stuff. And so he got me on the path to heavier music, to prog music, and to make me really, um, I think, more open to different types of music, to not just listen to what was on the radio, and to, to listen to whole albums, which is another thing, you know, um, a lot of, uh, at that time, you know, it was very popular to have the 45, right? And so you just have a stack of 45s. And you never well, that's really no listen. different than my generation well, right. who would download a single song of exactly. whatever was the popular song from the exactly. radio, you know? And so he got me into listening to entire albums. And so, you know, the the bands that he, you know, had me listening to the entire albums were bands like Jethro Tull and um, Deep Purple, Black Sabbath. And, and then I sort of, you know, I sort of found Kiss kind of on my own because he wasn't really big into a Kiss big kiss fan or whatever but that kind of the thing about kiss was it got me kind of excited about music i was in the kiss army briefly so it was like kind of my first foray into sort of fandom i have to Uh, imagine though back in that day kiss probably had a lot more integrity in the 70s and 80s yeah i mean it's it's funny because making some music that they thought it's like well let's try to do our own thing it's much different from who they are nowadays. They're basically a merch merch core band who goes on tour and plays the same 15 songs. You know, you know, everybody had the love gun lunchbox, you know, nobody knew what it meant. (laughs) You know, you'd listen to the albums and you didn't, you know, I was like, I don't know, 11, 12 or whatever. I, you know, you don't really know what you're listening to, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. until you get a little bit older. I would say that, that that's the, that's what kind of got me into it, a lot of 70s, 70s bands are what got me into music and mo- got me wanting to explore the prog avenue and the, the hard rock metal avenue and got me into, like, knowing specific people in bands, not just bands, but, like, n- knowing who Ian Anderson was, knowing who Robert Plant was, you know, like, the actual people, not just the nameless faceless band but the actual players in the band band that changed my life uh yeah i gotta go with iron maiden and i'm gonna tell you why because what iron maiden has given me is not just the music it has given me friendships it's given me this podcast it's given me opportunities to travel to meet new people to to engage with people it's been such a positive part of my life in so many ways that it's encompassed more than just my musical taste more than just my album collection it has it has um positively affected every aspect of my life that's amazing and you know what i say that metal is one of the easiest ways to make friends and I like to say that because it kind of is, you know, it you is. go to a concert, you know, you instantly have something in common with people and the crowds, they tend to be welcoming to new people. And I really like that. That's why I think it's kind of easy to make new friends over beers and metal as long as you have a sort of positive attitude and you're open to it because there are a lot of people in the metal scene who are really easy to get along with i would hope to say and also really accepting of any differences that 
you as a person might have. Yeah, and I think that you, you know, you touched, kind of touched on that a little bit, but I think that, you know, the, the metal community in general, you can have stuff in common with people that you wouldn't maybe normally hang out with on a regular basis or, you know, whether it's uh, political differences or ideological differences or religious differences, or like you were saying, you're not exposed to a particular group of people, whether it be the gay and lesbian community or the trans community or you know, people of different races or different colors or different religions. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's the thing that sort of brings everybody together and it's the common ground. If the whole world was into metal, we'd probably all get along a lot better.